The Cups and Cakes Network presents Inside the Artist's Studio. The interview you're about to hear was originally recorded on February 14th, 2019. To find out more about Cups and Cakes, visit them at cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. What you're about to hear may contain filthy language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Eamon McGrath is an Edmonton-born singer-songwriter who is back in town at the end of a tour for his 2018 album Tantramar. We talked on Valentine's Day in Studio A at McEwen University and had no shortfall of material to cover. Eamon's been all around the world this year, released an album almost a year ago, and is prepping for the release of his next record right around the corner. Chat about call center jobs, Graham Parsons, and geography and music, and wrap things up by playing his new single Guts from his upcoming album. Without further ado, here's the interview. How's it going? Thanks for saying my name right. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of prepping for the interview and I was like, man, the it's one thing dr- I do not know <laughs> is how to say this name. Yeah, no, right but on, man. I found it. I Appreciate found that. It. Uh, you're in from Toronto, right? Indeed, yeah. Perfect. How was the uh, trip out? It was okay. Been a bit of cold weather this winter, uh, but it was fine. Has it um, been kind of like equally bad in Toronto? It's or? been really bad by Toronto standards. I, I haven't actually been there, so I've been pretty lucky. I've been in Europe for... Oh shit! Three okay. weeks on tour, and ironically, uh, I was in I was in the Alps mostly, so like Switzerland and and Austria, uh, and the weather was amazing. Like it was <laughs> plus six the whole time. Yeah, it was actually like spooky. Like I was going out, and uh, my booking agent lives in Liechtenstein, and he uh, owns this this kind of big apartment in Liechtenstein, and I was going out on the balcony in like a t shirt and underwear. <laughs> nice, <laughs> it there was you amazing, go. and just like. Uh, pretty blown away. Yeah, not a single. Really, it was only one day of snow, not a single bit of snow. Yeah. So, so where did where all did you go? Uh, we start. I, I usually route my tours in and out of Brussels. So, uh, I have a tour manager that lives that lives in a little little village outside of Brussels. So, I fly into uh, into Zaventum and then head down to usually Switzerland and Austria uh, through Germany. Okay. It's kind of the, the way I've been doing it. Yeah. How, how many times have you been to Europe? Uh, I couldn't tell you. A bunch um, of times. Yeah, yeah. I've been going there pretty much like two or three times a year since since the fall of 2009. So gotcha. in, in 2009, it was like, there was this fork in the road and this fork in the road continues to appear in the road where it's like, you pretty much have to decide whether or not you're going to go to the States or go overseas. And I decided right. to go overseas. Is it like, does... It, does the geography of touring in like Canada versus Europe versus the States, is that mostly kind of what plays into that kind of fork in the road? Um, there's a lot of things. The The cost is probably the number one thing. Right. But all those factors like geography and uh, social aspects, um, political climate, all those For things, sure. all those things end up becoming all about the cost. So, like, every every single thing you can possibly factor into the quality of a tour comes down to some form of expense. Right. So, if you're if you're typically going to tour in a place that's got a a right wing government, then you have to factor in the expense of uh, like a border control, right. which is going to cost you time, which costs you money, which costs you morale. Which also costs you money, yeah. And then, uh, you know, like lots of things. The ge- geography is definitely something that that can throw you, you know, an unexpected curveball, some kind of form of elemental 
unpredictability, like what bad right. weather, which costs you money. <clears throat> so um, in the art of touring, all of these things become this sort of like uh, these, these expendable factors that you sort of weigh into some imaginary arbitrary equation that you punch into your abstract calculator and then out spits a value and then you decide whether or not you can do it. Right. And then, and then, I mean, for me, mostly it was always a matter of the, uh, you know, the cultural aspects, like we said, I just think that I had this gut feeling that people in Europe were going to connect to what I was doing a little bit more. Right. Which turned out to be true. Lucky for me, because there's kind of this exotic aspect to Canadiana over right. there. Like a lot of European people can't conceive of all the things that sort of make being Canadian what being Canadian is. Right. <clears throat> so that's this kind of foreign, attractive concept to people who live in really close proximity to each other. Right. And I just thought that the States wouldn't really give as much of a shit about that because in a lot of ways that's a story that they might already necessarily know. Fair, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's that. It was like the poetry aspect. Like I just, I wanted to tell stories to people that wanted to hear them. You know? Right. Uh, and then, yeah, and then all those other things like the fact that you could, you can travel really cheaply um, in Europe for, for a really long time. Right. And you can play absolutely everywhere. So, for that reason, that was the decision I made, and then it became a really regular thing because there started to be traction, you know, a lot of momentum. It's like right. the cultural proximity of people is really fascinating, you know, like it's really easy to feel like you're connecting to uh, an artistic network over there because mm -hmm. news travels really fast um, because people travel really fast, you know? Right. Um, and then... And then also, yeah, just just the importance and the the value that, that people place on on the role of a musician was was right. Is something they think that has been historically a little bit more um, prevalent in European societies That's because fair. the act of touring has existed there before industrial capitalism. Whereas in North America, I, I mean, it, I mean, sure, it existed in like a you know with First Nations people or yeah. something, but. In terms of recorded North American, re quote unquote, recorded, yeah, capitalist North American history, you know, we've only ever conceived of it as some sort of commercial thing, right? Uh, so, yeah, go to Europe, you know, <laughs> because because like I guess what I mean is is the concept of like, um, okay, well you've traveled six hours to play these songs, right? And because that's a product that you're selling in the act like in the commerce of art yeah you know like uh so if you're doing that and you have people that want to hear them and they, they have like a, a desire to hear what you have to say about the place that you're from then the bare minimum you're going to get is a place to stay some food and drinks right whereas in america and, and when i say america i mean yeah. the americas like uh that's just that precedent has never existed because people think that you have to have this like monetary value to the the what you're selling you know whereas money's like one aspect of an economy and in Europe those those other aspects those other factors have existed for for so long right do you think that tells you things about your own like canadianness i guess oh yeah big time and then and then that in turn like you come back to your home and then that that informs your own 
your writing in terms of thinking differently about your place and all that. You know? Yeah, because I, I feel like, too, you write a lot about places and the record from last year, too, which I guess this is a fairly good segue. Uh, it seems like has a lot of interesting things going on about, you know, place and w- where you're actually kind of recording or making the art that you're making. Uh, I guess, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, like, so maybe you start as a songwriter being from the prairies, like this really desolate open space or something. Right. So then you've been influenced by that your whole life, unbeknownst to you or whatever. So you write really vast, open, desolate sounding music or something. Right. You go to Europe and then you start having conversations with people about their kind of, their lack of that in their own lives and how attracted they are to those qualities in your music that you maybe not you hadn't realized that right. those, that, that existed before so then you sort of it starts to dawn on you that these that these elements in your songs exist when before you thought that they were just sort of commonplace in your perspective on existence gotcha so then you start to alter your writing you know and and start to look for those qualities in the songs that you're writing and then that becomes like your thing right and then that starts to snowball into a sound and a style and a voice and a vision or whatever you want to say, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got a a niche. For or, sure. You know? And so so yeah, absolutely. Like that's that's exactly how it happens. It starts it starts as like a really like un uh, yeah. un you know, like something unnoticeable to you. Right. And then because of your own involvement in the discourse of the world, you 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 start to notice it. And then you realize how open and vast the prairies are when before you thought it was just the typical you know grow like yeah growing up experience for sure uh <laughs> so so going to do then uh tantramar in is it nova scotia or new brunswick yeah new brunswick yeah. new brunswick okay uh i guess w- why seek out specific places like that to do a project like that like why is that an important aspect of that project well, that project came out like it was that aspect of it was almost like an afterthought. Like, okay, I didn't necessarily know if I was going to get a record going into that experience or not. Right. Like, I was I was fortunate to come out of it with something that was I thought was good enough to call an album. But for sure, um, it was a pretty accidental thing. Like, I I uh, I got a I got some funding from the New Brunswick Arts Council to go to Sappy Fest and write for a couple weeks. Okay. And then that thing you're describing, like channeling geography or whatever. Yeah. Observing nature or something. um, That was like, that was something that that totally just kind of emerged from the experience of being like immersed in a community. Right. Um, but I mean, it's like again, I say that and it's been accidental. But I guess that's kind of what always ends up happening when you're writing. So right, it's like, yeah, it was this accidental thing. But you'd never be able to do any of that stuff if you weren't always constantly put in the position of being able to sort of channel those things, you know? Right. Or to, or to be able to uh, put yourself in the position where you're gonna be more inclined to have like a really deep discussion with somebody till two in the morning as opposed to going to a hotel and sleeping or something like right like you i guess what i'm saying is that like poverty and not being able to afford all these spectacular accommodations or something yeah. means that you got to crash in somebody's couch but crashing on somebody's couch means you're going to probably learn more about the society that you're right so <laughs> so 
I say it was accidental, but it's kind of funny how something so accidental keeps happening to me, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that it's like, that's just sort of become the method by which I make music, you know, right. like you go somewhere, immerse yourself in the place that you're, that you're working, you work your ass off for a while and then you kind of leave. And that's, uh, I made every record like that. Like, Pacemaker Young Canadians was in Vancouver. You know, the book I did was in Europe. This new record, Guts, was in Winnipeg. It's like, yeah, I feel that I most effectively work when I've been, like, put into this kind of Petri dish scenario. Yeah. And uh, and then you're sort of left to, to figure out the the result as, like, almost an afterthought. Yeah. But but when you're there, you just kind of like you just sort of pay attention to what people have to say about where they're from and try and listen and right, and then hopefully out of that you'll learn something about all those things you mentioned earlier, geography and right and culture and all that you know everything that that ends up becoming art. Uh, how do, how do you find then? Yeah, I guess having experienced kind of different areas of you know Canadian music and that kind of scene uh do you find that there are significant differences i guess as you kind of travel west to east across the country in yeah the way that the musical culture is definitely the the east coast is like this sort of like similar in the prairies in the sense that there's like this kind of um lack of belief like this lack of uh this lack of belief that like anyone's career is going to go anywhere Right. So there's not like an inferiority complex. I wouldn't say that. But there's like this kind of idea that no one's ever going to pay attention to us. So why the hell would we make commercial music? Right. So like, so it's all like growing up in Edmonton and then, you know, cities like not so much Halifax, but like the smaller cities in the Maritimes, like Fredericton and uh, Moncton and places like that. Um, Yeah, there's this total creativity first way of thinking about playing in a band. Right. Um, and then what ends up happening is like a lot of other places like Toronto or Calgary or Halifax end up really looking to bands from those cities with like admiration because what they do is so inspirational, but it's just that there's just this idea that there's no record labels or booking agents or anybody based in those places. So right. why would we care about making really commercial sounding music when no one's going to notice us anyway? But the irony is that people do end up noticing those bands, right. I, th- I think, you know. Um, but yeah, so those, those are some similarities between between the prairies and, and then like the sort of Western maritime yeah. markets. Then you sort of start to get from the maritimes, you go, you know, west and from the prairies, you kind of go east towards central Canada, Toronto and Montreal. And then all those places, I think, are sort of the polar opposite where there's lots of bands in smaller Ontario cities that that always think that there's the option of trying to strike gold. Right. So that starts to really sort of affect how they do what they do. Right. And I don't, that's not necessarily bad. Like, it's not like um, bands from St. Catharines aren't really great, but it's just that there's that there's always that other element to it. Right. And same with, same with I think, Calgary bands. There's always this kind of Whenever you watch them play, there's always this twinkle in their eye that there could be this possibility that someone might be in the audience, you know? Right. In Vancouver, it's the same way. So <laughs> those are, I think, the fundamental differences between, like, what I would call bands from, like, the have-not cities. Right. 
Like it's not so much. It's weird because it's not. You'd think of it as almost like this, almost like gradient sort of cultural gradient between yeah. the country, but it's actually this like patchwork of of different of of, of similar attitudes, but in like very dispersed places where. Right. Um, yeah, there's definitely like major markets have a major market mentality. Uh, do you try to kind of like consciously avoid that hustle then being in like Toronto? No, I mean, I think that, that a certain amount of that is a really healthy thing, you For know, sure. like because there's no point in trying to make a living if you don't want to make a living. Right. You know, like you want to want to do it for real, but I don't think that you should sacrifice any of your artistic integrity to do that. For sure. So because I, you know, I grew up in Edmonton playing in like the scummiest punk bands <laughs> and then and then living in Toronto for 10 years now where you see the polar opposite like this ultra polished approach to everything right I feel that I've kind of been able to sort of balance the two things a little bit and I'm able to make a living playing music probably not as much money as I maybe would be making had I grown up in a place like Toronto where that commerciality is just first and foremost right but uh <laughs> I don't think that I'm like so Dionysian that that I like, I lose an understanding of how to effectively, like, logistically book a tour or something like that. Right. To me, that's like part of the art, you know. Yeah. Like, being able to express yourself properly is uh, is a really important part of you know ex- expressing yourself. Like, you can't yeah. you can't if 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 you're if you have a sentence that doesn't have any grammar, it's not going to make any sense. So then, right. That's why you order your nouns and adjectives and everything so that people can clearly understand your idea yeah but <clears throat> um an extreme on both sides is, is suicide i think right. you know yeah like a yeah a big part of trying to you know be satisfied with what you do i think is you know finding people who want to appreciate it yeah you have like you want to you have to have songs and want to play them for people right and you know you will have to you have to be excited as an artist when there's you know a good audience yeah so have, have you found when you have because uh, you've done a lot of like collaborative stuff too uh you generally found that everybody's approach in terms of that kind of stuff is pretty similar like does everybody have a similar uh understanding of you know commercialism versus how they're gonna make the art and how to kind of no i mean there's people that like uh have no concept of that of the commercial, like how to how to, you know, string, like, uh, whatever, how to string a tour together, right? That strike gold, and then there's people that are totally dogmatic about their, you know, <clears throat> commercial sense, and no one cares, right? Because it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, either too much of either in each direction is like going to be really boring. Right. You know, like no one wants to see an artist pander to a crowd, but no one wants to see someone be totally self-indulgent either. Right. You know, like there's got to be this sort of balance. And that's like, I think what makes it exciting is that like that the tension between trying to, uh, you know, like an element of trying to entertain an audience like that James Brown thing. Yeah. He was great at that. Like he turned that into an art form. And and that like I mean he was incredible at it. Yeah. And then you know but then there's like the Sid Barrett, like staring into the corner thing. Yeah. But yeah, I think you need to have two, like you need to have elements of both of those things to be exciting. For me, that's anyway. Yeah. That's that's the art that I like is where there's that that tension between right, not giving a shit about who's watching you and 
being really happy that there's 150 people in the room. Yeah. You know, it's probably as good a place as any to move into the second half of things. Rapid fire type stuff. I imagine you're familiar with this. Okay. Cool. Uh, so what it is, basically, it's just going to be a bunch of fairly light questions. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, we can take our time. You don't have to go like super, super quick or anything. All right. But, uh, Cake versus pie. Uh, pie. <laughs> really? That's what these are? Yeah. All right. That's what sweet. these are. It's sure. going to be super yeah. simple. Uh, coffee versus tea. Oh, coffee for sure. Caffeine or? Yeah, without a doubt, man. That's like. <laughs> uh, podcasts or radio? Uh, radio, personally. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like the unpredictability. That's fair. It, it's I started fairly recently just making sure the car is always set to CJSR when I go in because here's some wild shit sometimes. Uh, sports or board games? Uh, sports. Okay. Why, I guess watching sports or playing sports? Oh, playing sports. Okay. Yeah, definitely not watching board games. <laughs> <laughs> nice move. Uh, what what sports are you into? Uh, I don't know. I mean, anything that's... <laughs> Things with a ball. Uh, yeah, that's... any form of exercise. I I don't know. Swimming is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's meditative. Okay. Uh, what was the first car you had? I've never owned a car. Okay, is that like a like a, like a conscious a, decision? Yeah, like a conscious. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay, a little bit. I feel that to some extent. I feel like there's something about Edmonton though too as a place that makes it difficult. <laughs> the first the first van I ever toured in was a Ford Windstar. Okay. Um, yeah, Ford, it's very, uh, unorthodox vehicle to tour in, but. Are they, is it, are the Windstars like the minivan type one? <laughs> like the smallest possible van. Okay. You could, you could barely call it a van. It's we, barely a station wagon. And we would get a two amps, a bass rig and a drum kit in there somehow. I have no idea. Weirdest job you've ever had? Uh, call center jobs are weird as fuck. Okay. I was in. I worked at the a U of A, like a call center, a couple, ten years ago, and I was doing like a cancer survey. Okay. And most people would just hang up before you even ask them the first question, but then you'd get some people that would give you like the most heart wrenching, therapeutic, psychoanalytical. Like it was intense. Yeah. So that that by far takes the cake for sure. Do Do you find that I I, I feel like it's a, a really kind of cliched thing whenever you talk to you know songwriters or. Who, whoever in kind of a creative field of like people having like bar jobs or yeah like call center things but things where you just hear people's stories is that like a thing at all or yeah you know what though like the bartender thing is like you're not you're not ever listening yeah like people you're just letting them go on and on and on about nothing you know yeah like you kind of come back and you know They'll, they'll sort of pick up where they left off. Usually it's pretty slurred, and then you make sure they have another beer, and you kind of do on, go yeah. on with your night or whatever. But Have you bartended before then? Yeah, 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 lots of times. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. That was that was like among one of the first jobs I ever had. I, I, I was a bartender when I was underage here, actually. Okay. At a place that doesn't exist anymore that um, on 124th Street and 107th Ave that used to be called Eddie Short's. Where I, uh, I it was, live right it became by there. a place called Deravera. Oh yeah, yeah. And then now it's I think called Three Vikings. Yes. So uh, at the time it was um, above a uh, this rub and tug, and then and the guy that owned it ended up losing the bar. This could be totally wrong, and maybe like cups and cakes might get sued for libel or whatever. <laughs> but 
<clears throat> last I heard, the guy, the owner, ended up in Thailand running from this biker gang that, or something that he, he lost the bar to in this really sketchy coke deal. Okay. So anyways, I was 17 working for this guy, and I thought it was just like typical bar job. and Yeah. Wild. Was that section 124th like rougher at that point? Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Like there was this place called Hooligans across the street where like Hooligans was spelled with a Z. If you can picture <laughs> that. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> they did shows there every once in a while, but that place was a dump. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was a Money Mart on a corner, you know, like typical. Yeah, the Money Mart's still The Money there. Mart's still there. Yeah. I think there was the Money Mart you're referring to, though, there was, a, there was another Money Mart. Uh, north of there, okay. so there were two competing money marts. Yeah, uh, and then that, and then that liquor store or whatever, yeah. still proudly going strong. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've always laughed because there's there's a bunch of places kind of around there where there's like a liquor depot a block from another liquor depot type thing. It's competition. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to North America. <laughs> uh, is there an album that kind of like uh, spurred your love of music? Yeah, I mean, any Clash record, Tim, The Replacements. Okay. For sure, those, like, The the Replacements, yeah. I mean, that was just that yeah. era of, of punk rock. Yeah, you you have more of a, like, punkish background, right? Yeah, big time. And um, I still listen to all that stuff pretty religiously. Like, depending on the time of year, I go through big discharge kicks, tragedy. I like lots of Swedish D-beat. Uh, is there a band or artist that you would uh, open for, given the chance? Or I guess what is the I'd love to do a Mark Lanigan tour. Okay. That would be awesome. <clears throat> That's kind of first on my list right now. That'd be great. I toured with Chuck Reagan a couple years ago. It'd be cool to do a couple more shows with him. Okay, like cool. a full band. That'd be awesome. The best movie you've seen recently? Uh, God. God. I don't even know. It's funny. This is always the one that people... It's just like... You just, you know what, you just, if you fly a lot, you see so many movies, like stupid <laughs> movies, and you don't absorb any of them because you're just trying to distract yourself. Yeah. Like, I find movies are just kind of like, except for like very clear touchstone examples of great cinematic genius, Yeah, movies go over my head. Not in terms of like understanding the movie, but in terms yeah. of like absorbing the content. Like, most movies I could kind of take it or leave, you know, and like... It's just gotten worse because of Netflix. Like, <clears throat> yeah, movies are just like this comp- like consumable thing that you do before you go to bed now. Right. Like, I th- I think that it's like they've they've kind of gone almost the same like in the same fate that music has, where people treat it as just like this thing that you quote unquote consume, which is crazy. Right. Because movies are incredible, you know. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell you, man. I don't know. The yeah, last sure. the last movie I saw that was that was great was probably something on that Sundance app. Like Sundance, Sundance had this the equivalent of Netflix that was awesome. Oh, okay. Uh, Deer, the Deer Hunter. I watched that recently. That was pretty uh, cool. pretty epic. Yeah, I feel like there's a thing with film too, where like, uh, yeah, they're viewed as like really like easily consumable things just millions and millions of dollars to make like a pretty yeah. simple looking yeah, movie yeah exactly so, so we'll see how that There's goes a, there is a movie called I think I, I can't remember if it's called Being Frank or if it's just called Frank but it's like um, it was on that Sundance okay. it was like it's about this this po- post-punk band and then this really crappy shitty 
like talentless guy joins the band by accident and yeah. then they go off to this uh it's like songwriting retreat and he ends up like destroying the band yeah is, so is that was it, a pretty great movie is that the big paper yeah the dude's head? got a head yeah, yeah that he wears everywhere yeah. that's really had its movie. moments yeah. it was kind of implausible like there's certain things where you just be like you're you're kind of watching you're like okay for someone that doesn't play in a band this would be like wow but for someone that plays in a band it's like it wouldn't really happen that way you know <laughs> yeah but it was cool i mean yeah. I, like lots of, I, I mean i you know a couple laugh laugh out louds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was all right music was pretty good do you watch uh, do you watch much tv or <clears throat> no i I've, i have not owned a tv for over 10 years okay. i refuse to own a tv that's fair. I was I was gonna ask a Netflix binging question, but no, I don't even own a TV to like plug a laptop into. Yeah, like honestly, I'm, I'm anti television. Good choice. <laughs> uh, what's the best show experience you've ever had? Like at Perf- live performance? Show? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's like an impossible question to answer. <laughs> but I mean, I can tell you the recently, recently, yeah, yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, this show in St. Gallen was awesome. Uh, we did open for this this guy. Named Andrea Bignasco, who's this songwriter from Lugano, okay. who I played with in Zurich, like in like 2012 or 2013, and ended up becoming really good friends with him. And uh, and since then, he's gotten a couple of radio hits on Swiss radio, and okay. has this really great booking agent from Basel. And uh, like for lack of a better word, he's quote unquote taking off, and I'm really happy for him because yeah, yeah. he deserves it. He's awesome. And uh, so anyway, we did we opened for him. Uh, he asked us to support him at, at Grabenhall, and it was fucking great. That was cool. Yeah. Where was it, sorry? Uh, this this town in <clears throat> in German-speaking Switzerland called St. Gallen. Okay. Like, like a really cool city. Super, like, beautiful, really friendly people. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, like, in, in the main hall in Grabenhall. And then another reason it was cool is because when I was playing in the Mohawk Lodge, we played Graben Hollow, but we played the small room, and that was back in, like, 2010. Okay. And then I remember, this was, like, back when I had no concept of geography or routing at all, and we thought that we were, like, thinking back, it was so stupid, but we we left the show at Graben Hollow in St. Gallen <clears throat> after driving, like, eight hours from, eight or nine hours from Berlin or something to get there, played the show, and then we were like, Okay, we gotta leave because we have a TV spot in Belgium tomorrow at noon, and we drove overnight. And we thought that like made us like cool, like Fugazi, you know. When it was just like, why did you do that? Like, just yeah. go to sleep. Anyway, it was cool because we can't like I came back and <clears throat> and everybody was still working there, and it was kind of like this nice moment where right they were like, you know, welcome back. You've graduated to the main hall, and it was kind of nice. Yeah, really touching. <laughs> Uh, what have you been listening to recently? I guess is the uh, Boy Genius. Okay, I don't know um, that. Cass McCombs, uh, Mark Lanigan. Uh, what else have I been listening to? I, I'm a huge uh, Stars of the Lid. What's Stars of the Lid? Uh, I've been taking a lot of planes. Yeah, so star, <laughs> Stars of the Stars of the Lid is good for that. A lot of country, just kind of by default because <clears throat> the Devastation Trio, like this this band that um like my my backing band with Derek Anderson and Tom Murray from Edmonton yeah uh we we do a lot of shows where we're playing like you know we have like three sets four sets like right. long four hour shows and stuff and we're the only band so we have to play country covers sometimes so we learn country songs 
for sure. Lots of towns and stuff like that. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, if you could choose to meet any of your musical idols, would you, uh, I guess, choose to do so? Yeah, I'd probably just ask to meet. I'd, I'd try and meet Grant Parsons. Okay. I don't know too much Grant Parsons stuff. Um, just he was like, he's kind of credited as, uh, the guy that was like the missing link between soul, blues, country, and rock and roll. Gotcha. In the Flying Burrito Brothers and uh, the Birds, uncredited as like a really important aspect of XL on Main Street by the Rolling Stones. Oh, okay, um, and just an incredible songwriter yeah. in his own right. Died really young, uh, just like a personal hero of mine. Oh, okay, I, I think that like <laughs> he was probably like most people are when they get successful, like a, a total asshole. But I mean, it'd be nice to know, you know. For sure. He's like the one guy that I think I'm. I'm. I've read enough about him, <clears throat> and I've heard about enough. I've heard enough about him, and and I've heard that he was like a sweet enough person that like it wouldn't totally ruin your perception of his songwriting. Whereas right. someone like like a lot of other people, I think it would probably tarnish tarnish your love of their music. So yeah, I think that's I fair. would like not. I would not like to meet Joe Strummer, for example, if he were still alive. Right. I think that he'd be a pretty abrasive, arrogant person. Yeah. Some people say not so much, but I bet you that he'd be pretty intimidating. Yeah. So you know, John Lennon was. Yeah. For example, like he was like a total asshole from. Yeah, I've heard that too. Such so, uh, yeah. But from all from a lot of accounts, apparently Graham Parsons was like a pretty good guy. Okay, so that'd be cool. Uh, last question here, the old rapid fire stuff. Uh, <coughs> do you have any, uh, local bands or artists or anything, uh, I guess local to Toronto or Edmonton or take your pick, but. Dead Broke is awesome. Uh, Bad Buddy from Edmonton are really great. Okay, yeah. Uh, Whoopso is a great band from London, Ontario. Cool. Uh. Yeah, I think Jeff had them on a couple yeah, of phenomenal. a while ago. Um, Tunic from Winnipeg is really awesome. Okay. Yeah, Calvin Love is, he's amazing. Fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, Little You, Little Me is a great band from St. John, New Brunswick. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, Canadian independent music is really vibrant right now. It's like people are working really hard. Yeah. <clears throat> There's, there is that really good balance we were discussing earlier of like people wanting sure. to make a living and like hungry enough to, to try and make like a good ambitious go at it. For sure. Not sacrifice what they want to be doing. Yeah. Like, I think all those examples I just listed are... Really good, really good examples. Yeah, that. like no one is, no one has a lack of integrity, mm-hmm. which for me is like the most important thing. Um, really good creative spirit. Yeah, but uh, the work ethic is really impressive and motivating. So uh, perfect. Well, we're at the end of the old rapid fire stuff. I realize like. Uh, doing research for this you're involved in like a million things uh so there are so many things we didn't even touch on the book for example uh figured i'd just bring this stuff up at the end to see if you had anything you want to talk about promo wise or tour wise or anything like that before we kind of wrap it up i mean well this is probably gonna air uh when this the gut single has just dropped i think is okay what uh so this is like a record that's coming out in September. Uh, it's been about a year in the making and kind of picking up where the last album, Tantramar, left off. Yeah. Which is, <clears throat> for the lack of time sensitivity, uh, why I'm currently in town right now. Gotcha. Uh, 
because we're kind of finishing up the um all the touring that was in support of the Tantramar record and kind of like easing into the the new release. Yeah. Um so that's really exciting. I mean, I'm I've been really happy with how this record with how guts turned out. Yeah. Um artistically, creatively, it's like really online with what I, with where I want to be right now. I've got a super good team of people. Nice. Uh, I'm working with just really thankful and uh and for the first time in my life probably really satisfied of like where I'm at, you know. Yeah. So that's just feeling positive. Yeah, you said you'd record that in Winnipeg, right? Yeah, I did I did I, Guts was was tracked in uh in a, like I want to say April, yeah, April of uh of 2018. Okay. So between a couple tours in Winnipeg with with John Paul Peters, who did last couple of propaganda albums, a bunch of comeback kid stuff, Cancer Bats. Okay. So he's really like a hardcore producer, but he like right. him and I worked on this piano, this morose, sad piano John Cale sounding album together, and it yeah. turned out awesome. And then we finished the record um, <clears throat> with the Devastation Trio in Toronto at Marquee Sound. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I mean, like everybody that worked on it was a really creative positive force everybody that was involved brought something super important to the table and uh yeah that's just kind of where i'm at right now i just want to have like a good positive energy surrounding what i'm doing yeah for sure uh when does the single come out so the the single like the title track guts is going to be out the first week of april okay gotcha and there's a bunch of touring that's going to probably not stop after that uh yeah well, normally we end things off by playing a track. Uh, I'm not precisely sure when this one is going to come out. It may be before then. Uh, do you want to either? I guess we can either play that track if it's after that, or play yeah, a it would, track. Yeah, it would if be great before. if we could. We could. If guts could be the song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess anything you want to say about that track specifically at all? Then, or it's just a song about misogyny and prostate cancer. Okay, <laughs> and there we uh, go. and uh, yeah, I mean, it, just about the strange state of the world and state of masculinity and uh, and the way that people are interacting with each other yeah and dealing with the, the <clears throat> fragile nature of communication and making sure that that people that are in vulnerable positions get treated with respect and dignity yeah and uh, and how sometimes doing that actually takes more courage than being an overbearing asshole yeah that's pretty much the nature of the song, I think. It's about just, yeah, trying to address what uh, <clears throat> actually requires the most strength of character. Right. Because sometimes um, the most abrasive way of communicating yourself is actually the, the way of uh, exhibiting the most amount of weakness. Right. So. Cool. I think, uh, I think that's all we need here then. Right on. Well, uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a song called The Guts. Here we go.
Cups and Cakes Presents is produced by Sean Newton and Declan Paxton. The featured track was played with permission from Eamon McGrath. Undercurrents from Atlantis Jazz Ensemble's album Oceanic Suite is the background music throughout the entire episode. Oceanic Suite is available... Oceanic... Oceanic Suite is available through Ottawa's Marlowe Records. Find out more at marlowrecords.com. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening.